Hello and welcome to another episode of Bear Books Podcast with me, April Berry. And me, Daisy Ray. This is our last podcast of season six. I don't know whether to be elated, sad, I will miss everybody, but we have got a brilliant last episode for you, haven't we? We have. We've got three cracking stories coming up for you. One written by Daisy herself, one written by Carolyn Ward-Daniels, who is a stalwart supporter of the podcast. Thank you, Carolyn. And a brand spanking new one by CJ Walker, which I'm looking forward to, if I'm honest, because it's something we've not had on the podcast. But I'm not going to give too much away. Look, I'm rambling again, aren't I? You can't help yourself. A rambler is a very good podcaster because you've always got something to say. That's true. I always have got something to say. It's not always something that somebody wants to listen to, but I've always got something to say. You are very opinionated. I'll give you that, love. Right. That's enough about us. Let's bring you three fantastic stories to round off an absolutely exceptional season. So this one is called Ghost Hunter. And in a bit of a change, it was actually written by Daisy, but I'm reading it. Jamie had been a ghost hunter for almost two decades. During that time, they had helped countless spirits find peace and release them from their earthly binds. Every case was different and Jamie's methods varied depending on the circumstances. Some ghosts needed to resolve unfinished business, while others simply needed someone to listen to their story. Jamie had always been fascinated by the stories behind the ghosts And it was this curiosity that kept them going. As the years passed, Jamie found themselves becoming more introspective. They wondered if their own past had shaped who they were today. Maybe they had forgotten memories that were influencing their behaviour, just like the ghosts they had helped. So Jamie started to delve into their family history to see if they could uncover anything about their ancestors. It wasn't long before Jamie stumbled upon an intriguing piece of information. One of their ancestors had worked on a space station in the year 1900. It was a tour of duty and the ancestor had left behind a wife and twin girls at home, longing for her return. Her name was Eloise. Jamie couldn't help but wonder what had happened to Eloise. Had she made it back to Earth or had something gone wrong? they decided to do some more research to find out. Jamie spent hours poring over old family records and newspaper clippings, searching for any information on Eloise. They discovered that she had been a pioneering astronaut, one of the first women to venture into space, and she had been highly respected in her field and had made significant contributions to space research. But then Jamie came across an article that stopped them in their tracks. It was a news report from the year 1900, reporting that the space station Eloise had been on had drifted into a black hole. There were no survivors. Jamie felt a deep sense of sadness and loss for Eloise, a woman they had never met, but who was a part of their family history. They couldn't imagine what it must have been like for Eloise's family waiting for her return, only to hear that she had been lost in space. But as Jamie continued to reflect on Eloise's story, they realised something else. Eloise had been a trailblazer, someone who had dared to explore the unknown and push the boundaries of what was possible. 
in many ways, Jamie saw themselves in her. They had spent so long chasing ghosts and exploring the mysteries of the past that they had forgotten to live in the present. Jamie realised that it was time to stop living in the shadows of the past and start creating their own future. They knew it wouldn't be easy, but they were determined to try. After all, if Eloise could venture into the depths of space, then Jamie could certainly take a few risks in their own life. Over the next few months, Jamie took small steps to break free from their comfort zone. They tried new hobbies, met new people and explored different parts of the city. It wasn't always easy and there were moments when they felt like giving up, but Jamie knew they had to keep going, just like Eloise had. And as Jamie looked back on their journey, they realised that they had come a long way. They had let go of their obsession with the past and had started to embrace the present. They had learned that life was full of surprises and that sometimes the best way to find happiness was to take a chance and explore the unknown. Jamie still thought about Eloise from time to time, wondering what might have been if she had made it back to Earth. But they no longer felt adrift, like the space station that had taken Eloise away from her family. Instead, Jamie felt anchored, rooted in the present and excited about the possibilities that lay ahead. Nicely read. You're very welcome. The reason why I wanted to read that story was because of the real quirkiness of it. It links into the uh, the books that we've been reading around the LGBT stuff. But what what why I wanted to read it was Space Station, 1900s, gay marriage, couple of kids. Yes, I know. I attended the Right Queer writing sessions at Derbyshire LGBT on Curzon Street in Derby, and it was really interesting. And this was either... Week one or week two, I can't remember Remember now, but what we did was we all had who, what, when, where, why thing going on, and we all just wrote random things for each of those headings, and everybody in the class just folded them up and put them in a hat, and then we went round the class and everybody picked out a who, what, when, where, why until everybody had one of each, and we used those to write these stories and that's where the space station and the 1900s and everything came from. It came from the writing prompts that we were given in the writing class. It was really interesting. And we had, did have some quite random stories, but the level of writing was really quite good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed that story. And like you say, it was a little bit random, a little bit quirky. And that's why I liked it. I started it there in class. I think I'd written about 300 words or so and then the rest of it I just finished off at home and it just went into a folder and then I forgot about it for ages and ages and ages and then it came out for this and you said oh I'll read that one yeah I mean you presented me with a few stories and you said pick one yeah and I picked that one (laughs) and it was good thank you so now you've read that one then why don't we have a story from Carolyn Ward Daniels I'm quite excited as well because I I think you have you put a bit of pressure to bear on Carolyn to actually read it because I know that she's not overly keen on on reading her own stories. So how much did it cost you to bribe her? How much arm twisting did you do and what have you promised? The thing is with Carolyn's stories, they are generally from quite specific types of characters and nobody knows her characters better than she does because she wrote them. So she can give them the twist and the the emphasis and the... Nuances. Yeah, the nuances to carry the story forward and to make it sound exactly like it was in her head when she wrote it. 
So she is 100% the best person to read that story. And that's what she's done. And it's called The Long Furlough. Go on, take it away, Caroline. I've come to dislike Monday breakfast more so now than when I was at work. There is a fractious atmosphere that doesn't dissolve with the clinking of breakfast activity. I can sense the weight of disapproval tumbling out of Jane as she levels her glances at my pyjamas, still on me as I eat my toast. She has just nodded toward the pile of ironing, saying, I'm glad it was fine this weekend and I managed to get all that washing done and dried which is code for, you could have cut the lawn while it was fine and get the ironing done, Dave. But do you want another cup of tea? I ask her, knowing she's on the verge of running late, so won't want one. But it seems like I'm looking after her. No, got to go. Uh, could be late again tonight. I'm still short-staffed. Text me when you're leaving, then I can get the oven on. Dave? I have prepped and filled the slow cooker. Just remember to switch it on at 11. I'm sick of oven chips and chicken. I pick up some dirty plates. She picks up her phone. Bye, love, I say. She leaves as she stopped giving me a kiss goodbye. When she goes, I plonk the crockery down again. I've got all day to sort that out. I'll have another cuppa while I read yesterday's paper. After an hour of failing the crossword and reading doom and gloom, I decide to get dressed. But the bed looks enticing. I'll just have 20 minutes. 20 minutes slipped into an hour and I still have to force myself upright. My phone is telling me I have a text. Turn on the slow cooker. Honestly, she installed a camera. It looks really dull outside now, so I put my jogging bottoms on, my regular daily suit recently. Every day is a Sunday. I thought I would be having a three-month paid holiday, but because Jane is having to work, she expects me to do the household chores, like that Tower of Ironing. Maybe if I bandaged my wrist and said I fell over and sprained it, no, 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 she'd know, being a nurse. I didn't get away with the pretend COVID, isolating in bed for a week. Well, looking through the patio windows, the weather is really turning. The wind punching the fences and bending the trees. The empty watering cans just done an ungaily meander across the garden. I do a swift risk assessment, and I think it makes sense to put it away out of the wind and away from the French windows. Just made it back in a splinters of rain tapped at the window and fast grew into a downpour. Well, at least I won't have to mow the lawn. Mind you, I'd rather do that than the ironing. I'm beginning to not miss work and I can sneak a cheeky vodka whenever I want. I do keep the downstairs loose, spotless, so Jane doesn't have to clean it, which means I can hide a bottle behind the bleach in the back of the vanity unit. Actually, I'll have a little vodka and coke now and find something else to read. I'll do the ironing later, or tomorrow.
there's a glossy magazine come through with the Sunday paper. I'll have a butcher's at that. Oh, lovely. Perfume, fashion, handbags, more fashion, an article about menopause, horoscope. Oh, I'll read that. I'll read it. The lunar eclipse warns what happens this week may shock you, but the signs are beginning to show through the cracks. This is a timely reminder to not be deflected from your chosen path. Who believes this crap? Oh, no more adverts, more clothes, cordless cleaners. Oh, agony aunt. Oh, let's have a butcher's for a laugh. Dear Sally, I have been married to the same man for 22 years. We have two kids at university. Oh, know all about that, love. Cheers. I work for the NHS, so with the pandemic, I am at work a lot of punishing hours. My husband, however, has been furloughed. And whilst he seems happy about it, I worry that it is affecting him. He has become very idle and a secret drinker. I've found bottles of booze hidden around the house. Hey, a lad after me own heart. Cheers. I can smell alcohol on his breath as soon as I get home. He shies away from chores, even though he has all the time in the world. I don't know if I could stay in this marriage any longer. I thought I was married to an honest, hard-working man. He even pretended to have COVID so he could stay in bed, and I had to run around after him after a full shift of nursing at work. Do I ask for a divorce? Unhappy Jay. Oh, bugger. End. I love the moral of that story. Such a lying article. <laughs> yeah, I think I just, I think all I, I was just like moving some magazines around, probably looking for something and saw a horoscope. And yeah. it was just that thing. I wonder if ever it connects to somebody and it, it actually comes back. Do you, do you know what I mean? And then it was the agony ant. And it, it, so it would just burst like that. And there were so many people in that furlough situation that, uh, you know, some people, went out walking and then got things done, but some people just bummed it, didn't they? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> like your fella in that story, absolute genius. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Caroline. So what did you think, April? I do like Caroline's stories. They're always fairly sort of true to life, so you can imagine those types of things happening. Yeah, it's so believable and relatable. They are real characters, aren't they? They're like they're the people that live next door to you. They're great. Yes, they are. I love the life she breathes into her characters. You, you always feel like you know them. Yeah, the, the one thing about Caroline's stories is I was I can always formulate a picture in my head of mm. the setting as well. So while she doesn't really go into a great lot of description about the setting, I can imagine this guy, you know, in this downstairs toilet with all the the bottles tucked away at the back of the toilet where it's really pristine cleaning there, you know, and it's it's half tiled and then it's painted and there's a couple of pictures on the wall. Had you really gone to town? <laughs> you know, there's little ring towel holders at the side of the little vanity sink and and I can picture him sat on the loo actually reading a magazine. That's what makes me get invested as well in stories, be it the flash fiction that we read or be it the books that we review. You know, I might be thinking about a different toilet to you, 
but at least I can I can see it. I can see you looking at me like, what are you talking about? Well, actually, up to a point, I fully understand what you're saying because there was an article that said no two people have ever read the same book. And I don't think they have. So everybody's imagination is different. Everybody imagines the characters differently, what they look like, what the quirks are, what the settings are like. And even if a writer gives a description, you still put your own slant on that description. So I think it's absolutely 100% true that no two people do ever read the same story. For me, a story has got to have dimension to it. It's got to have depth to it. And it's got to have that trigger in it to spark off my imagination. I think you are absolutely right. And that leads beautifully onto the final story for this episode because... It's also one that's written a little bit differently to the norm. This story is written in two separate people's point of view. That's something we've not had before, which makes it original from our point of view. It's from the point of view of a couple, Keith and Amy. So half the story is Keith's point of view and half the story is Amy's point of view. I think that makes it really interesting. Plus, it's a writer we've not used before on the podcast. And you're going to be reading it, Daisy. So I'm just going to sit back and take 10 minutes, five minutes to listen. Okay. So this story then is written by CJ Walker, titled, I'll Never Forget My First Love. It was meant to last forever. Keith's point of view. I hummed Queen to My Heart by Westlife as I walked under the rain with my umbrella. Looking ahead, I saw a feminine figure seated on the sidewalk, completely drenched. I glanced around and saw that there were no places she could stay to hide herself from the rain. Should I help or should I not? I questioned myself as I got even closer to where she was. With a sigh, I walked up to her and put the umbrella over her head. She noticed as she looked up, our eyes met and time seemed to stop. She has the most beautiful eyes. Wait, what? I blinked several times and looked away as I paused my music and cleared my throat. I'm headed toward the state's library. If you want, we could share my umbrella, I said as I scratched my hair with my free hand. Her lips curled into a smile and I felt my heart skip a beat. Thank you, I'm headed to the library as well. As she stood up, she said. I smiled back and positioned the umbrella in a way that we could both share it. I'm Amy, she said as we walked down the walkway. My name's Keith, I replied. The pitter-patter of the raindrops hitting the soil below me slowly brought me back to the present. The merciless raindrops hit my head, shoulder and wherever else they could touch as I suddenly remembered where I was. It's been a year since we first met, but it feels like it was only yesterday. All of the memories we shared came flooding back to me as I stood there. The times we'd spent underneath the stars, the first time we kissed, the day I proposed... The memories were endless. A ghost of a smile graced my lips as I still remembered the way her smile lit up the room. The sound of her laughter and the warmth of her touch. Do you remember the day we met, Amy? It was raining just like this, I said with a smile as I looked up. Still funny how I never told you that you were my first love. I let out a sad laugh. I thought I had seen the most beautiful creature ever, I chuckled. Well, I wasn't wrong. 
I whispered, my voice breaking. As I stood under the same rain that brought us together, my eyes met her gravestone. The memory of the day she suddenly left me without warning flashed through my mind. I shook my head and dropped the bouquet of dandelions I'd bought on her grave. I took several steps back, my gaze never leaving her gravestone until my heart began to ache. I shut my eyelids as I felt tears freely escape my eyes and mix with the rain that fell on my face. My shoulders heaved as a sob escaped my lips, a sob I had held in for far too long. A cold breeze blew and suddenly felt like I was wrapped in warm arms. It felt like the warm and loving hugs you used to. My eyelids flew open and the sobs immediately stopped. I froze when I saw no one in front of me and felt cold again. It couldn't be, could it? My eyes met her gravestone once more. After a few minutes of staring, my lips curled up in a smile. It was you. My smile widened. I took a deep breath as I turned and walked away from her grave. I understand. I'll never forget you, my love, I whispered to myself. Amy's point of view. Tears slowly slipped from my eyes as I watched my first love break down in front of my new home. Keith, I called out, but I knew, I knew he couldn't hear me. He's in a different world, Amy, a world where you're gone, I reminded myself. Do you remember the day we met Amy? It was raining just like this, I heard him say. Of course I remember, how could I ever forget? I responded with a smile. Still funny how I never told you that you were my first love, he laughed as he said this. You were mine too, I responded with a shaky laugh. I thought I'd seen the most beautiful creature ever, he chuckled. Well, I wasn't wrong, he said, his voice breaking. I watched with a smile as he dropped the bouquet of dandelions he held by my grave and burst into a heart-wrenching sob. Tears filled my eyes as I made my way to him. Keith! I stood in front of him and reached out to dry off his tears, but my hands passed through him. Please, please stop crying. I'm fine. I'm really fine, I cried out. I opened my arms wide and made an attempt to embrace him. My eyes widened when I felt the warmth of his skin and his heartbeat as my head rested on his chest. However, it only lasted for a split second as I fell through him, just as quickly as I'd touched him. What just happened? I asked myself as I got up from the ground. I turned and saw him staring at my gravestone once again, with a smile. Well, you're not crying anymore, I smiled. He turned away and I heard him whisper the words, I understand, I'll never forget you, my love. I'll never forget you either, my love, I spoke quietly to his retreating back. A bright light suddenly appeared at my side and I felt its pull, telling me that it was time. I turned back to Keith, who was already at a distance. At least he'll be fine now. With a smile, I walked towards the light. Very poignant, isn't it? I mean, I could see Keith there at the graveside. Mm. And, and as weird as it might sound, I could imagine Amy laying in a coffin trying to talk to him through the ground. I can see them being youngish people, can't you? Yes. Yeah. 
it's a shame when you find a love when you're young and then you lose them that quickly because you know they've had less than a year together yeah i mean the story has as for me thrown up more sort of questions than than answers you know so well how did she die you know did she accept his proposal <laughs> were yeah. they planning to get married all sorts of questions like that yeah i liked it though i thought it was very very well written and you're right, something that we've never had before is a story written from two points of view. Yeah, I do like that. Because it's the same situation. It's not like it's Keith's point of view on one thing and then it's Amy's following that. It's the same. Same situation and the two different perspectives and the way that they view yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was definitely worth including in this final Absolutely. episode. I do wonder if Amy had still have been alive and it was a different sort of scenario and a different setting for the story, how their points of view may have differed. Yeah. People don't stay in that first flush of love forever, do they? No, they don't. But they'll never lose that first flush of love because that's all they ever had. Yeah. So that's their eternity. Yeah. Sad. It is sad. <laughs> I told you it was quite poignant, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much to CJ Walker for sending that in for us. Really enjoyed reading it out and sharing it with everybody. Yes, thank you very much, Daisy, for reading that out. I, it was it was very intriguing. I think I'm a little bit sad. I'm a little bit sad anyway. That story was very sad, but I'm quite sad that this is the last episode of this season of the of Bear Books podcast. Don't worry, there'll be another one. Well, I know that. But... <laughs> There might be a little bit of a wait for it. We have other projects on the go at the moment. So we are looking towards later on in the year. We don't have a specific date, but keep an eye on this space because we will be back with a trailer at some point and tell you everything about the new season. Yeah, what is it about you that I can never pin you down to specifics? Is that <laughs> is that the airy-fairy bit of you or the, the, yep. the, the flaky bit of you or the... Uh non-committal bit of you. I'm trying to work out which bit I can pin it on so I can have a go. I think all of those. I am quite faddy. I do have a lot of projects on Oh, you on are the very go. faddy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just, you know, say it as it is. The podcast can be a lot of work and there is a lot that goes into the podcast, but we absolutely enjoy it and love bringing the podcast out for everybody. Why didn't you tell me before it were a lot of work? I could have helped. Oh, shut your face. <laughs> Who are you? Whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, we have other projects on the go. So they're going to get a little bit of attention now, and then the podcast will be later on towards the back end of this year. I have to say we've, we've actually had some books submitted for the next season of The Flash Fiction, and whilst we've not made any decisions yet mm. about what types of books we um, we're going to be, looking at there is one that's caught my attention and i don't know whether or how good it'll be um and it's from one of the friends of the pod of the podcast on your fox and and she, and she sent something and, and what i saw was this pooting and i thought what's all that about <laughs> that might be quite interesting so that that's got my curiosity so whilst we've got no books to read for the podcast i am actually going to read that and if i think it's worth it which no doubtedly I should imagine it will be, I'll be twisting your arm to read it for the podcast. 
All depends on what April thinks of it then, on you, Fox? <laughs> as to whether she pushes it or not. I'll tell you what I will be doing now. It's the end of this season. One of our regular flash fiction writers and someone that we've interviewed for a couple of her books has a new book coming out. So I, for one, will be putting my feet up and reading Pelham, which is the new book that will be coming out very, very shortly by Carolyn Ward-Daniels. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Well, I hadn't, but I'm looking forward to that as well. So that's that's another one that I'm going to be reading. Yeah. It's exciting times. There's so much to do. There just aren't enough hours in any given day. But while we're here and it's the end of the season, we would like to say a few thank yous to everybody not least of which are all of you fantastic people that have taken the time to write flash fiction stories and send them into us and kept April and I amused as hell for time. I'd also like to say a thank you as well to everybody that supplied us with books to review, the authors that we've interviewed. We've, only, we've interviewed a couple, haven't we, on this, this last season. Both of them were quite funny. Yes, we do have some amazing conversations with folk. I do agree with you there. We do. We have some brilliant conversations. So thanks to all our authors. New friends made, new stories read. Yeah. New authors to follow. Yeah. We've had a fantastic time. Learned a lot. Really enjoyed it. So thank you, everyone, for being a part of our journey still. What have you learned? Because I can't remember what I've learned. You don't learn anything, you. No, I know, I know. That, that, that's what I wondered. I thought, Lord, speak for yourself. <laughs> speak for yourself. Learn I'll tell you one thought. thing I've learned. I've learned that there actually are some good LGBT books out there. That's, that's yeah, that, I mean, right at the very beginning when you suggested that we go down the route of LGBT authors, I'm thinking, oh, my God. But they've chased since the 1980s. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> just a tad, yeah. <laughs> what year is it now? Oh, hang on. <laughs> It'll be 2023. Oh, dearie me. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm kind of going back, though, to the sort of, to the 80s when I first came out as being as being gay. So I think that's what I was sort of thinking when you said, oh, we're going to review LGBT Fiction, and I'm thinking Rita Mae Brown and Ruby Fruit Jungle. Please don't have a go at me, people. It's just my opinion. <laughs> I've never read it. I've not even heard of it. There you go. You said, look, you see, you've learned something. <laughs> so have you. Times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. And take care of each other until we see you again next time. Keep an eye out for the trailer. Later on in the year, we will let you know what we are doing and when we are doing it. Yeah, I'm going to miss everybody. But until we speak again, metaphorically, virtually or in person, take care of yourself. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Bear Books and Bear Books Pod 1 on social media. We'd love it if you could share the podcast with your friends. And thanks so much to everyone that's left us a review. If you're listening today and you haven't given us a review yet, please do. It helps other people discover us and their new favourite indie authors. We'll be back soon with more reviews and more flash fiction. See you next time. (laughs) 